You're listening to the Woman Who Chat podcast with me, your host, Sandra Garlic. A podcast where I chat to women in business who share their knowledge and their business journey, including their top tips, especially for you. But not only that, you'll hear their inspirational stories too, the real authentic version, because life and business is actually a roller coaster. I'm the founder of Woman Who, and I help you to power up your personal brand and get visible. I teach you the simple steps to get where you want to be. I help you to find your story and create the opportunities for you to share it confidently on stage, in print, and in other media. I'm delighted to bring this podcast to you each week to inspire and motivate you so that you can achieve in the future. I'll be sharing my knowledge, insights and stories too. Enjoy this week's podcast. Woman Who Chat is sponsored by Grow Radio. Grow Radio is an online radio station dedicated to bringing you a different podcast on the hour, every hour. I'm proud that Woman Who Chat is played on Grow Radio every Tuesday at 3pm and Friday at 8am and to be part of their podcasting community. If you want to listen to the station, explore their shows, get your podcast onto Grow Radio and check out many of the blogs to improve your podcasting skills. So head over to growradio.uk today. Welcome to Woman Who Chat, and today I'm chatting with Rachel Collar of House of HR. Hello, Rachel. How are you? Hi, Sandra. I'm well, thanks. And yourself? I'm good. I'm good. Now, we've chatted before, and we've heard all about you um, and what you do and how you got into your, your current business, House of HR. So we're not going to repeat all that today. I'm going to pop the link in the show notes. So if you want to listen to how Rachel uh, started her business, then make sure you click in and listen to that previous recording. What I wanted to talk to you about today, lots of women, or men too, start their business and they chug along and they're doing everything and they're learning everything on the job and then suddenly they're overwhelmed. And I know I've been there and you've got all these tasks to do and you you know, you're basically, you're on this hamster wheel and you realise you need help, but you're tentatively nervous about taking that first step into employment you know to taking on that first employee so I want to chat around that really today have you been there yourself oh absolutely I think starting out it was you know you just do everything particularly it might come down to particularly money and resources very early on stage of business or not knowing how it's going to grow in what direction but definitely for me it's been something obviously as I've progressed I've looked at kind of options and you know what's best for me and my business and increasingly finding people reaching out saying that you know I'm thinking about this what do I need to do? Because I think, as you will know, loads of people think, oh, worry about it if I was to hit five employees. Yeah, that's your health and safety. But absolutely, from day one, you need to have a lot of things in place from an employment perspective to make sure you've got the right documents and procedures to support that new hire. So yeah, lots of people struggling with the, particularly with the cost implication. Are you going to take on an employee versus maybe an associate consultant and those differences? Yeah, and I think that, you know, that 
when a lot of businesses start, we all get this business mentoring. And I know that when I mentor businesses, one of the I say, what are your goals? Oh, my goal is to employ five people by the end of the first year. But they actually haven't. They just want the numbers and the metrics. They're not actually thinking about the nuts and bolts behind that and some of the pitfalls as well. I mean, when I started my first business, I've got to admit, I had an employee mentality. So I just thought, you know, everybody worked nine to five and, you know, mm-hmm. I'd have all these employees and I'd give them all the most amazing benefits and they can have flexible working, work from home and all these things that I never had as an employee, yeah. which was great. But I didn't think about the foundations that that would, that would you know, hold that together. The cost implication. I remember I, three months in and I got these employees and... I hit a wall because I couldn't pay the the salaries because you've got PAYE and all those things. So what what do you think are the first things that people should actually think about? You know, when they hit that wall, they realise that they need help. They need that extra person. Yeah. And I think it is those hidden costs maybe that is a thing that really does hit a lot of people. So it's definitely about what's the cost of hiring an employee versus not hiring at all. And if you do, What's that people plan look like that's going to help you decide that? So it's a really big decision. You've got to think about those benefits, the disadvantages, and then the cost, but not make that rash decision overnight, something that needs a lot of thought and process to go through. So can you afford to pay somebody? Will you, you know, what's the value in terms of having them versus that cost? Can you do it all on your own? You know, will you get stuck if you don't hire somebody? And they're all things, you know, like you say, people reach out to business mentors, accountant, absolutely be talking to a HR consultant as well. So most people probably will go to those people initially, the accountant and business mentor, but really engage with a HR professional professional early on that can help you in terms of what's the legal things around what you need to do and things you have to have in place to help grow that business so there's a lot of planning that needs to go into that not just a I'll get a contract and that's it's fine there's a lot of other implications and one that often trips people up is things like you say benefits and pensions you know national insurance tax all of that stuff and like you say you suddenly hit that brick wall of oh my God, I didn't realise there's all these additional costs can I actually pay these people. You know, am I going to bring enough work and revenue in that will cover those costs moving forward in the long term? Yeah, it's a, there's a responsibility involved as well, I mm. think. You know, Incredibly. You are responsible not only for their salary, their pension, you know, giving them a holiday, making sure you could comply with all the legal things, mm. but you've actually got a duty of care towards that person as well, you know, to make sure that they're not working excessive hours and, I, th- I think you've also owe that person a responsibility to develop them and all the hidden things, what I call the fluffy HR things that a lot of people don't tend to think about. Yeah, absolutely. It's that, you know, for me, it's that, you know, looking after people. Why do they come to work? How do you keep them engaged, motivate them, looking after their well-being, um, their development, all those things you've talked about? You know, there's a much bigger holistic picture to consider. And also, you know, those people from a, a personal perspective, you know, what are their personal circumstances at home? You know, does it work for them that what you're proposing on a short term or long term basis? And definitely seeing a lot more businesses, obviously post-pandemic, really be now open much more to you know I've worked with a lot of companies that you know to be successful you must be in the office Monday to Friday nine till five or nine till seven and that obviously landscape has massively changed and I think there's still some businesses that 
haven't gone, you know, really embraced that fully. And I think, you know, if you look at things, you know, like working parents, the opportunities they can have, you know, I've just had a client that is desperately looking for a marketing PA assistant. It's part-time, 10 till 2, to help with childcare commitments, part-time flexible working from home. They have been inundated with applications. If we'd advertised that as Monday to Friday, 9 till 5, full-time in an office, I don't think we would have got the amount of applications that we've got. You're so right. And I think things have changed. I want to talk about the pitfalls. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now I've seen them. My background is in employment law and HR. You've seen them from your, you know, 20 plus years experience in HR. I mean, you're not just somebody that said one day I'm going to open an HR consultancy. You've got, you know, you've got your degree in HR. You've got your master's in HR. You've got 20 plus years experience, both here and abroad, I think, you you know, you know what you're talking about. And I've got some knowledge there, too. I think one of the biggest mistakes a lot of people make is taking on a friend. Absolutely. I laugh at that one because you see that so, so often and family as well. And I think definitely in small businesses that often becomes you know, the complexities around that of that breaking kind of the work and the personal um, relationships. And when things do get kind of a little bit icky. And I think a lot of things that I've always found in any form of business is often communication. And I find that's usually the biggest barrier to having conversations earlier on. If there are issues, don't bottle them up. Have those conversations. Seek advice if you're not sure. So if it is something you want to sound out, obviously, you know, if people can't afford to work with a HR consultant, you know, if you definitely are a member of the FSB, there's helplines there that can support you with those initial queries, which are really great and supportive. But definitely, you know, have you got policies, procedures, do you know how you're going to follow something? And I think, you know, I've come across organisations that have handbooks that are like about 300 pages long and they might have one employee. No, you don't need that. Absolutely don't let somebody scare you that you need lots of paperwork to manage and sort those relationships out. You need the foundations and they are statutory policies and there's only a handful you le- legally need to have everything else will come down to okay what culture do you want to create and definitely I think where you are employing friends I think you've got to be very clear from the outset of that professional relationship you're having have an employment contract having standard procedures in place but definitely having that communication channel open and picking up issues very early on and I think you all know and I will know that discipline news grievances those things often have rumbled on for a long time and suddenly hit that boom moment of everything's gone terribly wrong and it's about being very open and honest at the front and if you need to bring expertise advice in at any point then there are a whole host of wonderful HR consultants out there that can help. And I think you know I'm not saying here don't employ friends and family I think what the message here to anybody that's considering that is to have those early conversations it's almost like a prenuptial agreement isn't it? (laughs) It's getting all the the nitty-gritty out of what if this what if that and, and having those discussions Um, Because I've seen so many business divorces, as I call them, uh, where friends and and family relations just uh, are strained to the to the you know the end because of those tensions that build up over time. Let's just talk about um, alternatives to employing somebody because you don't have to actually have an employee through your PAYE. You can take on additional staff members. In other ways, can't you? So let's just explore that a little bit. What would you say? Yeah, definitely. 
And I think one of the big things in the HR world we have, we are massive collaborators with one another. So we often do associate work with one another. So we'll have our own organisations. But when you might have a piece of work like a, an appeal hearing and you need another independent third party to do it, we'll share work with each other to, to do that. So associate work is a great opportunity and a lot of flexibility on both sides of the fence. You know, somebody might not be looking to do full time employment, but they can do work dipping out when they want. Um, freelancing, contracting. In. And also definitely seen locally uh, with the University of Northampton as well is interns and um, degree students wanting to do, you know, summer placements. So to get some real expertise, there's a lot of grant funding out there as well, where you can sometimes get a student for, for a year in terms of their sandwich year placement and getting support costs with that as well. So there is a lot of opportunities out there. It doesn't all have to be, you know, you've got to have an employee, um, but also where you can just, you know, contract work out to somebody else. You know, it might not be associate work, but is it your marketing? Is it your social media? They're not working with you as associates. But, you're, you know, they're invoicing you for the work that they do. So lots of opportunity to have flexible arrangements and especially very early on in your business when you're trying to work out kind of the peaks and troughs, when work's coming in, when it's not coming in, that you can dial it up and dial it down that support that you need um, versus, you know, do I take on a full time employee and I actually haven't got enough work to do for them or I actually then can't afford to pay them. So definitely, I think early on, I think it's the options there to have a lot of flexibility is probably the, the first thing to consider before you start really looking about those long term plans and growth. I'm interrupting this podcast to tell you about a very special event taking place on Thursday, the 5th of October at Draycott Hotel in Warwickshire, the woman who achieves Solopreneur Awards. If you want to spend a great afternoon being inspired by our amazing speakers who will be sharing their business journey and network with a women in business audience, of course, men are very welcome too, then make sure you secure your ticket at womanwho.co.uk forward slash events. Now back to the podcast. Yeah, and I think it's about, again, we've talked a lot about communication and having those discussions earlier on, but even taking it back before that, I suppose it's been very clear on what the role is and sometimes when you're a new business, you don't know what the role is until the person gets there and you realise, you know, what you've got to hand over. But I think that role has got to be crystal clear. And, you know, the employee or contractor have to really understand what their remit is within that that role that they're, that they're taking in the, in the business. Job descriptions, adverts, all those things. Absolutely. So all I can say is we talked about communication, but also research. Make sure you do your research. So looking at, you know, what other job opportunities out there in the market at the moment, where would you pitch yourself? You know, we work with organisations to do kind of free salary benchmarking and benefit benchmarking to see, are you going to be competitive? Are you going to be able to, to attract somebody? And then, the you know, what is the job title? What is the content? And yes, a lot of them do evolve over time. And I say to people, you know, job description should be a living document as the job evolves. That's something. But there'll be core foundations that you need to make sure you have in place. And often it's looking at what, what's been advertised at the moment? 
what's a similar role are they the sorts of things I need to do are they the things I need to include or where am I really struggling I want to hand that work over almost literally good old-fashioned pen and paper scribbling down kind of those brainstorming ideas and definitely obviously the salary you know is that going to attract somebody am I competitive um, but do I offer other things though my salary might be slightly below benchmark but what do I offer in terms of that culture the values in the organization the flexibility hybrid working all of those things that, that can make a big difference as well but definitely making sure you've got that right job title when you're advertising often people can put what they think might be right for their organization but actually when somebody's searching for that vacancy they just might not find it. So there's lots of free job boards out there. Obviously, you've got Facebook where you can post in a lot of job boards. Indeed, LinkedIn, there's lots of opportunities. You know, if you can't afford to use either a HR consultant that recruits or recruitment agency, there's lots of opportunities. You know, we have our local press here, have a free job board that you can post on as well. So there's lots of places and platforms you can get that out there. But then, yes, the nitty gritty comes to you're getting loads of CVs, having to screen those CVs, having to make sure, okay, is the person what I'm looking for telling me that what actually skill set I need is what I'm, I'm looking for. But sometimes, you know, we're in a really difficult market at the moment in terms of candidate availability. You know, we're what 1.1 million vacancies out there. And it's really difficult. You know, candidates, you know, the best ones are snapped up really quickly. So make sure you prepare in advance, you know, when you're going to have a closing date by, when you're going to screen CVs, when you're going to get back to candidates, when you're going to get interviewed, plan and diarise that before you even advertise. So you've got it in the diary, you're committed to it because you need to move and move quickly. That, that top talent is being snapped up to super quick. So make sure that you're just really on it in terms of communicating with candidates as well. When it comes to that interview process, some people have got lots of experience and know how to do it versus those organisations I've never done it or done it a long time ago and not sure what process procedures things they can and can't say so again you know I work with organizations where I'll actually manage maybe the first stage of the recruitment interviewing for them and say okay right these I've gone through that process these are now the top three candidates I think that you should see so sometimes getting that third opinion on a candidate or is it you know bringing another director in or you know your business mentor helping you with interviews there's lots of ways to do that to make sure you know that you're hiring that right person because it's a massive decision in getting it wrong you and I know the downfalls and the cost implications of getting that wrong so it is that uh, you know something that you do need to invest a lot of time and effort in don't just think it's going to fall on your lap yeah, it, it makes me laugh sometimes because I think of taking on an employee sometimes a bit like dating. You know, you're sort of putting yourself out there. You're finding this individual. You, you, you sort of have that first date, don't you, when you interview them? Are we going to get on? Are we? Gonna, is everything going to be fine? I would always go to a second interview because you, I think you, get, you find out that little bit more. And then you take them on and you have the probationary period. That's the sort of early dating phase to make sure everything's in place and it's working. And then there's the marriage, isn't there, when it's all cemented and they're working and everything's great. But ultimately, some relationships fall apart and you get breakups. And it's just managing that whole process and communication, I think you're saying, it, through the whole journey. But what do you do when, you know, you get that employee and it just isn't working? And, you know, I think a lot of people just stay in that relationship because they don't know what to do or they don't know how to get out. But you can end an employment relationship, you know, as long as you do it correctly. Absolutely. And I think always having your mindset, dignity and respect. 
So how would you want to be dealt with in a similar situation? I'd want to know that somebody was telling me and having that conversation. So definitely any concerns that are flagged up, address them from you know, as soon as they arise. So if you've got concerns regarding performance, conduct, have those conversations really early on. Put support training in place, anything you think that may help turn that situation around and review regularly. So making sure, again, back to the communication, you're having the discussions, you're reviewing. Is there additional support? Maybe were you clear, you know, what was required, your expectations? Had you actually, you know, explain that in the way that you expect that person to be done and their expectations. If obviously you do some of those things and things don't improve and it continues to kind of go south, then absolutely, you know, you have probation periods there to manage. You can either end that relationship based on the terms of your, your contracts that may be in there or maybe extend it. Often, you know, we do see extensions do work, you know, by a couple of months, give that person a little bit longer. Maybe there were some family issues or personal health issues that may have impacted them. So giving them that opportunity. But at the point, you know, and your gut feeling will tell you, um, you know, when it's not right, then obviously, you know, there are the opportunities within the first two years of employment, certainly, um, to end that relationship uh, much easier because obviously employment rights really kick in. Uh, from uh, year two onwards but obviously if there is anything that could be of discriminatory nature thus when you need to kind of get advice from either a HR consultant or employment lawyer um, in relation to could there be risks associated with that dismissal have you followed procedure have you lived by your policies and procedures have you done anything correct then you shouldn't have to worry um, but it can be incredibly stressful time I think you know any even senior managers I've worked for years and have been through that situation have those sleepless nights worry you know how I'm going to do this how the person's going to take it but if you have dealt with that correctly from the outset dealt with it dignity and respect being open with the person and hopefully they will see where you're coming from if you've got the evidence to kind of back up what you're saying. Then hope I would say nine times out of ten, those relationships can end on an amicable ground. You know, you'll get you all know better than me, you'll get those odd ones where obviously it doesn't always end like that. And I think, you know, we've probably put everybody off. Everybody. I know, I don't want to scare people. Yeah. Don't be scared because, you know, you can have some great employees. And I know businesses that have got employees that have been there 20, 20 plus years. And, you know, employment has changed. People do move on. It is a cycle. People tend to move jobs more easily these days. But I think, you know, it's just knowing you get the right person for the role and develop that person and keep it as a business relationship if you can, because I think that it is makes for a longer lasting good employer-employee relationship. And I think, you know, don't forget that a lot of people starting these businesses are going to be people that have come out of corporate world, maybe have been left or redundant or have been left for reasons that their employment didn't go well. So they've probably got some negative knowledge around that. So I think it's, it is saying that it can be really positive experience. And, yeah. you know, if you don't need a full time employee, take somebody on part time, as you've suggested, so just a few hours a week at flexible working or start with a contractor. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's something that you see more in the corporate world, but could work equally in, in the SME world is that taking somebody on temporarily initially, seeing if that works, then if it does lead into a permanent opportunity. Obviously, where we are in the economic situation at the moment, there's not, you know, most people, if they want a job, they want a permanent job. But there's people that, you know, absolutely, you know, they're not sure either, you know, if it's what they want to do. And it's a great way to try out. And that's why often I've seen certainly where we've had students doing intern or placement 
investment opportunities end up when they finish their degree coming back and actually working um, for the business longer term and that's really nice when you see that and I think sometimes you've got to think about I think a lot of organizations and business owners everyone who has to recruit people have a little tick list and I have to tick everything off of that list to make sure I've got the person who has got 10 out of 10 that you and I know they don't exist Mm. Um, if they do they're very rare and it's actually thinking and being quite open-minded about actually that person maybe only ticks about 40%, but I can see real great opportunity. If I can develop and grow them, shape and mould them in the way I want to, we actually could be onto something good here. And it could be they evolve over the next to six, 12 months, or do you want to wait to six, 12 months to try and find that perfect candidate? So I'm often trying to encourage employers to really think outside that box of forget your, ch- you know, you've got your tick list. That's great to have. But what are the things that are absolutely non-negotiable and what are the things you could develop? And that will speed up a recruitment process as well. Yeah. And, you know, speeding up, I think it's right to just say research, plan, take your time. You know, don't go out there saying, uh, oh, right, I need an employee in place by next week because it yeah. isn't going to happen. You, you do need to have that time to, to go through the proper interview and, and, and finding the right person for that role. Definitely. We chat on for forever, and I'm sure we've got loads of HR nightmares, stories, funnies, whatever. Um, <laughs> and you know, and we'll probably come back and do a follow up on that. But I just want people to realise that actually, yes, it's good to expand. The only way you're going to grow your business is by taking on additional support because you will burn yourself into the ground if you try and do everything forever. So taking on employees or associates or consultants is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And it's a good thing to do before you reach that crisis point. And it's not all nightmares, is it? It absolutely isn't. And I think, you know, when you see somebody grow and develop and be successful, get results, get great client feedback, you know, that's kind of, you know, those happiness, you know, those hormones kind of all come flowing. Everybody's really happy and excited about everything. And it's incredibly rewarding on employees, but you've got to just make sure you get it right from the start. And there's lots of support out there to help you make that happen. Thanks, Rachel. It's been great chatting to you. Is there just one thing you'd like to leave the audience with that you would say a great tip or piece of advice or just something you'd like to finish with? Well, absolutely. Now, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but if you head to our website, houseofhr.com, spelled H-A-U-S, there is a section in our HR hub of free resources, loads of things for business and all designed for busy business owners. So free grades to help you. And there is one about hiring your first employee. So even if you don't want to talk to me, then there's a, a real good, great guide that will help you and guide you through those first steps. That's absolutely fantastic. And we'll put the House of HR website into the show notes. Thank, Thank you. you for chatting today, Rachel. It's been great talking to you. Brilliant. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you for listening to the Woman Who Chat podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Join me next week for more inspiration, learning and top tips. In the meantime, visit womanwho.co.uk to find out how you can start your Woman Who journey or even feature on a future podcast. You can also join the Woman Who Achieves community on Facebook. The link is in the show notes. There, you'll get the opportunity to network, find support and make new connections with over a thousand women in business. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's podcast. And if there are any topics you would like to hear, just get in touch with me, your host, Sandra Garlick.